Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. So church, uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of the the prodigal son, a, a parable. And if you don't know the story, it comes from Luke chapter 15. And uh, it goes like this. A father has, has two sons. And the younger son wanted a sh- his share of the, of the estate, of his inheritance. And so this is actually a, a great insult uh, because that normally isn't passed down to the sons uh, until the, the father would, would pass away. And so the, the younger son is kind of saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want... I want my, my portion. And the father, um, he, he went along with it. I guess he liquidated what, what needed to be liquidated. He, he went to the bank or you know, he sold off the sheep. He, he was able to, to get the cash and he gave it to his youngest boy. And a couple days later, the, the youngest son, he, he takes the cash and he heads out of town. In fact, he, he leaves the country. He, he heads to, to Paris. He... he He's going to L.A. I don't know where he goes. He goes far away. And he blows his money on wild living. Wild living. Uh, the word prodigal means wastefully extravagant. Wastefully extravagant. He's blowing money, spending, spending it on this and that. Going to the bar, buying everybody a, a round of drinks and fancy cars and, and all of that. He, he runs out of money, though. And he ends up being broke. And I bet there's more than enough of us here who, who have experienced that before. What, what it feels like to be broke. Hungry. Broke and hungry. And, and he was able to nail down getting, uh, getting a job at a pig farm. And he fed pigs uh, their, their food. And this, you know, he's, he's Jewish. That's the context of the story. And that... That's not, that's not good. This is not a good job for him to do, to be a pig feeder. And uh, he, he's, he's tired, he's poor, he's hungry, and he's, he's envious. He's jealous of the pig food. And it's in that moment of, of brokenness and being at the, the bottom of the bottom, and he, he comes to his right mind. He repents. He thinks about home. He really feels the distance between him and his father. So he, he repents. That is a key part of the story here. He, he changes his mind. He, 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 he discerns, he, he acknowledges his current estate, his current state, and he's like, I need to go back home. I need to make this turn. So he, he heads back home. There's a gap in the story. We're not sure how long it took him to get home. We're not sure how far away he was. But the scene, the next scene takes us to the, to the estate, to the family farm. And while the son was far off, the father sees his boy in the distance. And the father's heart just opens wide. And the father gets up and he runs, something that was uncommon for grown Jewish men in that first century world. Grown men don't run. The father gets up and he runs. He runs to his boy. He embraces his son. He embraces 
his son. The, I believe the, the Greek word, it, it implies like a falling into. You know, that the, the son doesn't fall into the father. The father is the one falling into the son. That embrace, and he kisses him. And the son's there. He's like, no, no, please, please, father. Like, like I am, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just, like, make me just a slave. Make me a servant. Let me just be a piece of furniture. Like, like I don't care. Just, like, I'm, I don't deserve this. I do not deserve this. And the father just completely ignores that. And he's like, hey, get my best clothes. All right, get him shoes. Put a ring on his finger. A ring on his finger. That is a symbol of identity. Father's like, your prodigal ways do not define you. I define you. You're my son. And the father throws a big party. There, there's more details to the story. There's the older brother, of course. But the father says, this is my son. He was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he is alive. And what, I, what I love about this, this parable is that it really shows the, the character of, of God's heart, the Father's heart, the changeless love of God that he has for his kids. You know, God doesn't change. You know, any, any change that happens, it, it comes on our end. You know, we get to go to the Father. We get to go to the Father. We get to seek out His communion, His His fellowship. We get to have fellowship with with God. And you know, when a, when a lost child comes to the Father by believing and accepting in the work and the saving. The saving work of Jesus. When a, when a believer is saved in the work of Jesus, there's two states of being that I want to bring to your attention this morning. The first one is relationship, and the second is fellowship. Very similar, but there is a distinction here. All right, there is a difference. Okay, we uh, a sinner comes into grace. A sinner is is saved. They have that salvation knowledge, meaning that they they know they're saved. They have said yes. To Jesus, And they, they are starting into this relationship with God the Father. They are walking with Jesus the Son now. But this relationship, I want you to know, is, is not dependent on us, but it's dependent on the eternal character of God. It's about the character and nature of who our triune God is. When we say yes to Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, we are brought into this perfect relationship with God. God exists in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and, and we get to join in this, this relationship. We get to join the dance. And a big point that I want to make this morning is that relationship with our God, that doesn't change. Relationship doesn't change. But on the other hand, fellowship, fellowship, that's, that's what can get disconnected. That's where distortion and disruption can get in there. And certainly we, we're in relationships right now where, for the most part, the relationship is solid as, as much as humanly possible. The relationship is solid, but we know sometimes fellowship can, can get out of whack. And so today we are considering 
what we can do when we feel disconnected from God. Our Father, in other words, uh, when 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 you know he 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 is there, and what can we do when we feel like our our fellowship is just not where it needs to be? When it, when we feel that that distance, that disruption. So we're going to let one verse, just one verse today, First John one nine, shepherd us as we move towards communion today, as we think about fellowship, communion. Having common union with God the Father. As we, as we think about these things, as, as we think about how we have been prodigal, how we have been perhaps wasteful, maybe in our money, wasteful in our time, wasteful in our opportunities. We're the prodigals. What can we do to close that, that distance? We're, we're going to let 1 John 1 9. Shepherd us today. And we'll get to close out the message with Holy Communion. So 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and He will purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, did you catch the character of our Father here in this verse? Our Father is faithful and and just. This is who God is. God is just. God is faithful. God is moral purity. God is perfection. God is holy. These options here, or I, I, excuse me, these qualities are not optional for our God. This is who He is. And because of who our Father is, our Father demands righteousness. In other words, right standing. Now that's a problem for us because humans, we have a righteousness problem. We have a sin problem. And to put it simply, yes, there's this purity gap. There's a holiness gap. There's a righteousness gap between God and humanity. With this gap between us and God, here's the good news. God promises to close that gap. God promises to save. So here we go. God's faithfulness to us impelled him to send his only begotten son, Jesus, to save us. The name of Jesus means God saves. And so when the Bible says that God is faithful, it means that God keeps his promises. How faithful is is God? How strong is the loyalty of God? How strong is the faithfulness of God? God is so faithful to us that he's willing to die. A faithfulness as strong as, as death. Jesus could have said no to the cross. He could have. He had plenty of times to scoot out of there. Ever think about it? Like he was in a garden all by himself outside of the city His disciples were sleeping. Nobody could have even seen him leave. He could have walked right out of the gospel story and said, no. Jesus could have come down off the cross. Jesus could have, he could have said, no, but we see the faithfulness of God. We see the justice, the righteousness of God on display when we look to the cross of Christ, the Son. And when Jesus died, the demand for righteousness and justice, it was satisfied. It was 
enough. And we get to look to Jesus and we trust in this sacrifice. And so if we confess our sins, our Father is faithful and just to forgive us. To purify us from all unrighteousness. The Greek word for confession is homologeo. It essentially means, literally, to speak the same word. And so when we confess our sins, we're acknowledging that we're sinful, but to speak the same word, it's like, okay, what does God see and notice? We see and notice that in our life, too. And sadly, I think many of us, we've, we've been taught to hide our sins. That's a sermon for another day. But because of who God is, he is faithful and just. Because he has provided the way for salvation. He has provided, he's opened up the prison doors. Forgiveness is available. Father says, it's okay. Acknowledge your sins. Come to me. Speak the same word. Confess. Acknowledge your sins before Father. Now recall the the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus introduces us. He grounds the whole prayer. God is our Father. And remember, in Christ, our relationship with God doesn't change. And so we get to go to God. We get to confess our sins and say, sorry, Dad, I've messed up. The, the language is, forgive my debts as I forgive my, my debtors. But, but, but sorry, Dad, I've, I've messed up. I'm, I'm sinful. Here's my sins. You know, I've been prideful. I've been bitter. I've lied. I've had lust. I was greedy. I missed, I was lazy. I missed opportunities. Like, like you, know, you just, but you get to just say that to your dad. Your Heavenly Father, you confess those sins. Now to kind of slow down here a little bit, what this means is that you don't have to confess your sins over and over and over again. All right, You confess your sins. Hey God, Father, I confess, I acknowledge, I'm sinful. Here it is. I'm broken. I was stupid. I feel bad about it. You know, like, like just like speak it out to God. You confess your sins. You know what? If it's authentic, if it's genuine, you confess your sins. You don't need to keep confessing your sins over, the same sin over and over and over again. And also, it doesn't mean like if you have an unconfessed sin and you happen to die, that, that you'll be lost Forever. Now, again, remember, relationship does not depend on us. Okay, it, it, it is dependent on who God is. If you have an unconfessed sin and you die, you are not lost forever because your relationship with God is not dependent on how good you are or how many confessions you have made. Relationship is dependent on God. Our Father, who is faithful and who is just. And the encouragement is this. Confess your sins and enjoy the relationship with our Heavenly Father. If we confess our sins, 
Our Father is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us of all unrighteousness. The next word there after confession is is forgiveness. Forgiveness is offered to us. Forgiveness is the is the erase. It's the dismissal. It's the wiping away. God puts our sin under the blood of Jesus Christ. So what this means is, you know, yeah, we go to our our Father, we, we confess in our prayer time, we confess our sins, we leave our junk with Him, okay? Do not waste your brain space in the past on these sins, okay? Don't keep feeding the pigs. Don't keep thinking, oh man, I used to be far away and I was a pig feeder and like that was the lowest of the low. Like, don't waste your brain space on the past. It's, it's a demonic strategy to keep us back there, to keep us in the replay. Okay, sure, learn and grow. Learn from your mistakes and grow. And, and if you do look back, take Jesus with you. But confess your sins. He's faithful and just. He will forgive you. God doesn't want you to dwell on your sins. If you do dwell, you're forgetting what forgiveness means. Forgiveness is that is that erase. As far as the east is from the west, God removes our transgressions, our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us, and he will purify us from all our unrighteousness. We get purification, too. The Greek word is katharizo, which is where we get the word for um, to catharize and catharsis. It means to cleanse. Okay, to, to catharize, that's a medical procedure where impurities are removed. Catharsis is the release of negative emotions. How about carth- uh, you know, catharsis? You know, have that experience. It's, it's a release. Okay, so there's confession. We have forgiveness. And then, you know, God doesn't just leave us in the neutral, but God actually pushes us forward into the positive. When Sam read scripture, he used the word propitiation. God is propitious towards us, meaning that he's pushing, he is in favor for us. God is there pushing us forward, and that's the purification process. God wants to make new. God wants to regenerate. Confession, forgiveness, then there is a release and a cleansing. The impurities are taken away. The poison is removed. There is a purging, and our fellowship is restored with God. And we get to enjoy the embrace of our Father. We get to enjoy the embrace of our Father. And so as we prepare for communion time today, you know, communion is... Is uh, we get to reenact the scene in the upper room. We're remembering the passion of, of Jesus Christ, communion. We're remembering the story of what, what God did for us to close that gap. 
You know, Jesus is there standing in the gap. Jesus is enough. We remember that his body was broken. We remember his blood was shed. Communion time is is the action in history that makes forgiveness of sins possible for us. And so as we prepare for communion, Father says a long time ago in Isaiah 44, verse 22, Father says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Right, you, have to, you have to see it in your head. Summer day, blue sky, there's just one little cloud up there. Have you ever watched a cloud dissipate and disappear into the sun? You know? It's a great experience. But like this is like, like, there goes our sin. Like Father is wiping away our sins like a cloud. Your sins, like the morning mist, return to me. Turn to me, for I have redeemed you. Our sins dissolved away, our sins washed away. Father says, return to me. I've redeemed you. Redemption's available. You messed up, it's okay. Like, like, come back. Confess, forgive, come back. I'm for you. I love you. Confess your sins. Receive forgiveness. Be purified. Be purified. So as we approach the communion table, metaphorically, spiritually, let us enjoy our communion with our Father. Okay, I want to highlight that word return real quick. It's it where are we returning? We're returning to like our you know, our, our natural state, you know, like, like returning to the garden. I mean, like that's, we're, we're, we're going back home. Prodigals come home. Helpless, come get the hope you need. Prisoners, come get the freedom you need. Return to me. It's available. It's available. Return to me for I've redeemed you. So let's enjoy our communion with our Father. Let's, let's pray.